would you take your Bibles, please, and turn to Psalm 100? If you haven't detected it already, Psalm 100 is kind of our theme for the morning. And uh, we're going to be looking at it as we study God's Word together. Uh, Join me in prayer, will you please? Thank you for how you love us. Thank you that you put it in words. Thank you for your wonderful story that we hold in our hands in this book we call the Bible. Thank you for how you speak to us through it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving it life. We want that life to impact us today. I pray, Lord, that you would come and manifest your presence among us and touch us so that the people who leave here today are different people than the people who walked in. Change us into the likeness of Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' holy and sweet name we pray, amen. Well, I hope you have a wonderful holiday this next week um, and that you practice giving thanks in your thanksgiving. You know, we're entering a season of the year, as uh, Dave said, when there can be so many distractions uh, from the spiritual significance of these holidays. Sometimes it's just the, the hubbub of the season. Sometimes it's the commercialism of American holidays. Black Friday, what is that all about, huh? Sometimes it's just the difficulty of doing all that needs to be done, all the cooking and traveling and celebrating. Sometimes it's just that life hands us hard stuff and the holidays are not a time out. I got to texting with my best friend this past week who reminds me that for those who are from dysfunctional families or alcoholic families or if we have folks in our family who are struggling with mental illness or if we have family members who don't know Christ, the holidays can just be hard. And even for some, ugly. And if that's you, I want you to know today that I will be praying especially this week for you, for strength to go into those hard family holiday situations. We so want them to be sweet and joyful, but many of us are left with just a flavor of disappointment after so many of these holidays. It's not all happy and cheerful, is it? And there are some of our church friends here who are going through some really serious health struggles. I've heard from others for whom life has just dealt them an ugly hand. And you know, one of the challenges for us in hard times is to just keep our eyes focused on God, trusting Him when stuff isn't going our way. One of my pastor friends likes to say, life is hard. But God is good. Life is hard, but God is good. Oh, that's true. I heard Rick Warren recently say that he used to believe that life kind of bounced back and forth between times of blessing and times of struggle. But he said, I describe it differently now, probably especially since his wife's long struggle with cancer and their son's suicide. He said, life actually runs on two tracks at the same time. 
The one track is struggle. And one way or another, one hardship or another, we've mostly got that track going all the time. But the other track is the track of blessing, God's blessing in our life. And if you're focused on God and His goodness, the track of blessing never needs to run out for you, even when you're going through a really tough time. God is always loving us, always helping us, always insisting that the hard stuff ends up blessing us. The great uh, uh, British Bible scholar and commentator of the 1800s, Matthew Henry, had an amazing way of looking at God's goodness and and thanking God even when life went sour. One night, Matthew Henry uh, slept. As he slept, a thief, a robber, broke into his little home and stole his wallet. And in those days, before people really trusted banks, it contained all of his life savings. For him, as devastating as it was to lose all his money, he found a way to rejoice. And amazingly, this is what he wrote down in his daily journal. Let me be thankful, wrote Matthew Henry. First, that the thief had never robbed me before. Second, that although he took my purse, he did not take my life. Third, let me be thankful that although he took all I possessed, it was not much. And fourth, let me be thankful that it was I who was robbed, not I who did the robbing. You know, God's people have been going through hard stuff all through the history of this world. And God has always found a way to bless us and to turn our hearts to thanksgiving if we will let ourselves think that way. And let me suggest to you that for those who are looking to God in the middle of life's hard stuff, there is always good reason to give thanks. Sometimes we kind of have to kick the sides out of our little boxes of thinking, open our hearts and broaden our our mental frame of reference. But even in the hardest stuff of life, there is much for which to give thanks. Hardship and struggle, if you let it, has a way of focusing your attention on eternal things and on the goodness of the eternal one. Hardship makes us get honest with our own frailty and weakness, our vulnerability, and our constant need for God, for His strength, for His help, His kindness. Hardship focuses our attention to see the small ways that God touches us and provides for us and rescues us. We become attentive to God's grace in the middle of pain. That's the blessing hardship can bring. We get in touch with the fact that we really are desperate for God. And I believe every Thanksgiving ought to be like that. Oh, not painful, but focused. Every Thanksgiving ought to be that way, not of suffering. Who would ask for that? But a time of seriously giving God praise and thanks with the celebration and the feasting and the festivity focused on the goodness and provision of God. So we're in Psalm 100 this morning. You know, the Psalms were the songbook of 
God's Old Testament people. They memorized them because few of them could read. And if you notice in your Bibles, uh, most of the Psalms have interesting little opening comments, titles, or instructions right below the chapter headings. There might be words of dedication or, or the name of the writer or instructions on how it was to be sung, the name of the tune or what instruments it was to be, uh, were to be used with it. Psalm 100 simply says, a song for giving thanks. By the way, this is the only psalm with this inscription. Whenever God's people came together for a service of thanksgiving, this is a song they love to sing, and it's a glorious psalm for giving thanks. I love how it instructs us how we can bless God and bring joy to God's heart. It tells us how to release the joy inside of us so that we ourselves feel satisfied and fulfilled. This psalm really does that. It focuses our attention first on the reasons we have for thanking God and and then also it gives us a method of how to offer thanksgiving in a way that ministers to God's heart and brings joy to our own. So first, the reasons we have for giving thanks, and verse 5 is our focus. Give thanks to him and praise his name, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. We're called to give thanks to God for who he is. What kind of God is this? You know, occasionally I run across uh, someone who just can't understand why we love and serve God, why we live for the Lord. Uh, sometimes people have thought of God as kind of an ancient kingly tyrant, someone who plays cruel games with his creation, bounces people on a twisted string, has a cruel sense of humor that twists their lives inside out. God's out to get you is kind of the way they think, and they think that if he ever does get you or if ever you get religion, you'll live in a dungeon of misery for the rest of your days. But when I find someone who thinks like that, I always want to ask, who messed up your thinking about God? Who screwed up your thoughts about God? Was it some tyrant, cruel father, and you projected who he was on who God is? Was it the tirades of some bitter, angry preacher or priest or nun? Was it Satan or his demons who by bringing evil into your life and then caused you to blame it on God? The God you're afraid of is not the God I know. I probably wouldn't love him either if he were that kind of bully, but that's not the God of the Bible. That's not the God we worship. Notice what he's like. Verse four, 5 says, he is good. He's a good God. I tried to wrap my mind around that this last week, and it took me to some pretty thick theology books. And 
When we say God is good, it means that there is something about who God is in his very nature that is delightful and wonderful. There's something in God's character that always seeks the best blessing for his people. And I want to say to those of you who may think God is out to mess up your life and destroy your happiness, those of you who think that the words of Scripture are there to squash your fun and wreck your life, God's character is goodness and his instructions steer you away from the things that would hurt you and damage you even as our own stubborn will heads right toward what will destroy us God's goodness sees far into the future and knows the consequences of where our independent hard-headedness leads his love steers us away from tragedy and toward the joy he wants to share with us. God is good. He's also loving. It says his steadfast love endures forever. This is the Hebrew word hesed. It's often translated loving kindness. It's a powerful word in the Old Testament filled with rich meaning for God's people. It speaks of God's mercy and God's kindness, loving kindness. This is the God who knows all there is to know about you. He knows all of your weaknesses, all of your failures, all of your mistakes, all those things you keep hidden from everyone else. He knows it all and he loves you without reservation. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more than he does already, and there's nothing you will ever do to make him love you less. How could anyone love me like that? God can. The old songwriter wondered it too. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. Hesed, loving kindness. In his love for us, He's not what we deserve. He's kind. Psalm 100 verse 5 also tells us he is faithful. And in that, God is different from us. God is always dependable, always responsible, always constant, completely steadfastly committed to you, faithful. I struggle to be dependable. I really do. When troubles come, I'm sometimes shocked at my, at my own reactions. And, you know, that makes it hard for people around me, my family and friends, to, to trust me. They're not always sure how I'm going to react. And I'm struggling to become what God already is. He's faithful, rock steady. No crisis is a crisis to him. Nothing knocks him off his commitments. Nothing surprises him. He will never change in how he loves me and how graciously he deals with me. He is dependable and consistent and faithful. God is always having a good day. And you can trust someone like that. What a great God. 
And when I focus on what God is like and think, this is the God I serve, oh, it fills my heart with gratefulness just for who God is. But there's more. The psalmist draws our attention to who God is in relationship to us, his people. That's back in verse 3. It is he who made us. God created us. He called us into being. We would have never tasted life without his decision, his hand, his action. He gave us life with a purpose in mind that we would get to know him and experience his love, taste life, and make this world a better place for others. And here's the second point. The writer says, we are his. And actually, the Hebrew puts these two phrases together. He created us to be his people, his possession. He created us and he possesses us. I wonder if you've ever thought about what a blessing it is to be God's possession. I wonder if you've ever thought about what a blessing that is. You know, some people take very good care of their property. Just look at their homes or their clothes or, or their cars. I remember when I was young, my dad always tried me to understand the importance of taking care of the stuff that we had. And uh, he was forever trying to encourage me that way. He took good care of stuff, my dad did, but I'd leave his hammer out in the rain or he'd find his screwdriver out in the garden or I'd dump my bike in the driveway and never give it a thought. It was a topic of several conversations as I was growing up because I wasn't learning very well. But you can know this about God. He is never careless about his possessions. He takes good care of what's his. He takes good care of his own. And when you know that and you know that you belong to him, man, does that ever bring security and comfort, even when life is hard, even if life should be short, God takes care of his child. I'm his. He takes care of me. He created us. He possesses us. He shepherds us. Again and again, the Bible says the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Now, the shepherds of the psalmist was familiar with were the shepherds of Palestine. And even today, the Palestinian shepherd guides his flock and protects his flock and provides for his flock. Not like the sheep rancher of the American Southwest who, who gets in his four-wheel drive and heads out to his flock. No, this is an active, present, providing shepherd. He lives with his flock does the Palestinian shepherd. He feeds them. He tenderly cares for them. He finds places of lush green pasture, the cool, satisfying streams. He knows each lamb by name and knows their need, and they follow close because to be close to the shepherd, that's the place of joy and comfort and safety, the place of privilege. And to be shepherded by the Lord is to be safe and secure, to be spiritually healthy and whole, to be known and loved. Oh, next to the shepherd. That's the place to be. This psalm is just an amazingly full psalm 
for giving thanks. Jewish people love it, as God's people always have down through the years. Back when the Church of England sang only psalms, by the way, that, that's historically part of the Church of England's history. They were allowed for a time only to sing the psalms. That's interesting. This was one of their favorites. They called it Old Hundredth, and they called it, and it became the words for what we call the doxology that we sang this morning. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And why not? It sums up so wonderfully the reasons we have to serve the Lord just for what, is, what He is like. That would be enough, but then listen of who He is just to His people. So we have these wonderful reasons to thank Him. But how? How should we appropriately give thanks? And the psalmist helps us and gets real practical here. The verses of the text caught my attention. Notice verse 4. The verbs of the text caught my attention. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving. We give thanks by coming into his presence. You know, Thanksgiving time, there are so many uh, people to thank. I got a couple of just wonderful notes from some of you this past week saying, thank you for being our interim pastor and preaching God's word. That was so sweet. There are lots of people that should get my thanks too. Thanks, Lakewood, for all you do to make my temporary ministry here such a joy. But if there is one above and beyond all that deserves our gratitude, our thanksgiving, it's the Lord. None of this would be possible if God didn't initiate to love us and reach us and bless us, we're together because of Him. So we come into His presence. We come to worship and give thanks. I spent a little time reading this past week about the history of thanksgiving. Abraham Lincoln in 1863, the middle of the national tragedy we call the Civil War, issued a presidential proclamation that declared a day on the calendar, a day for national thanksgiving in the middle of all that pain to pause and give thanks. We know that President Washington earlier proclaimed a day of thanksgiving in 1789. We remember that the pilgrims in Plymouth Colony celebrated in 1621. So there were many thanksgivings stretching back not only in American history but into British history and European history and, and Jewish history. In fact, maybe you know this, the Festival of Tabernacles in the Old Testament was a whole week of giving thanks every year in the Jewish calendar and that began more than 1,500 years before Christ was born. And in all, it's been about God who deserves our thanks. We come into his presence with thanksgiving and praise. And so probably the best place to be is right here in his presence where we worship God and celebrate his goodness. Here's another verb. We come into his presence to do what? To know to spend time knowing, thinking about him, meditating and pondering and reflecting on who God is and what he has done for us and all we receive from his hand. Time for us to just think through all we have to be grateful for. And I hope you take time this week to do as the old song says, to count your blessings. 
to begin to make some lists of all of the wonderful things that God has been doing in your life. Some of us get so busy, but we need to take time out just to focus and concentrate on good, uh, God's goodness. And today, we're, we're going to do that uh, before we're done with the service today. We want to give you an opportunity to say out loud your gratitude to God, but it takes a little bit of focus concentration to get our minds focused on all the ways God has been so good. We're going to do that before we're done today. And I noticed one more just in my last minute preparations of this message. The first phrase of verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Serve him gladly. You know, one of the things I've noticed about Lakewood here is how faithful so many of you are in serving the Lord. Some of you just give and serve and work with such dedication. I have a feeling that some of us do it out of obligation and responsibility. If I don't, nobody else will. They're counting on me. But listen, something's really missing when we're serving only out of obligation and, and don't allow ourselves to find joy in serving Jesus. It's so good that you're responsible and dedicated. But how do we shift the atmosphere and shift the culture so that we serve the Lord not for those reasons, but serve the Lord the way he hopes we serve, to serve the Lord with what? Gladness. It's good to serve because you should. It's good to serve because you're responsible. But what do we need to change so that we get to this place where we serve him gladly, simply because we love him so much? And it's not what we have to do, it's what we'd rather do. One more way we're given to thank him, and that's to just express it. Notice verse 1. It says, make a joyful noise. Really a better translation in the NIV is, shout for joy to the Lord. You know that's in the form of a command? Well, I'm not sure I'd be real comfortable shouting in church. Well, well, then you've got a problem obeying God's word, don't you? Shout it! Going to do that in a moment. Singing, we, we love to do that. We're going to do a little more singing in a moment. God loves to hear us sing. Give thanks. Put more simply, say to God, Thank you. Bless his name. That means to recite the reasons you're glad you're his child. We're going to do that. So as we close this morning, in just a moment, I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to read together this amazing psalm together, and then we're going to give God blessing and, and thanks in just one-sentence expressions of, of thanks. I'm going to encourage you to shout them out. I'm a Baptist. I'm used to that. Make them loud as you finish this sentence. God, I'm thankful for, okay? Here's the text. Stand, will you? Let's read it together. Read it loudly. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. 
Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Father God, I'm thankful for... Your faithfulness. Come on, give it to God. Come on. Your faithfulness. Goodness. 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 This church. Amen. Let's sing.